just wait for the recording software to start kicking in. It always takes it a while. Ready as we'll ever be. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Dan. I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. Grandpa. And welcome to the 1989 Academy Awards. We are moving along. I was alive. I believe I was technically alive at the last one because they usually are in like April. No, January. The, they no, the Academy Awards are in April. I don't think so. I mean, I can look and it says, but, "Oh, this is late March, March 29, 1989 was this one." So. But you should say the name of the podcast. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, this is if I ran the Oscars, our podcast where we take a look at one movie. I chosen every year the awards were on TV. We look at what it won for, and then three other categories at random. Well, the movie's chosen at random also. Exactly. And this year, as opposed to previous years, like uh, last time around, there was one movie that just dominated the scoreboard. This year, there was a few running around. Uh, Rain Man was Best Picture. We didn't roll that one. Uh, That's a serious film. Yeah, we also didn't get A Fish Called Wanda... Uh, let's see what else is in here. <clears throat> Working Girl, Dangerous Liaisons. But we did get Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Who? That's Who? the name of this movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is a movie that I will nerd out about because of... It's not a good movie as far as winning Best Picture goes. I don't think anyone would necessarily try and defend that. It is a technical masterpiece. From a production concept work put into it to make it achieve its goal side of things. For the technology of the time. Well, yes. even even beyond that, I don't think a movie made today would put in the effort necessary. They'd just fix it later. They would just, yeah, they, it would all be computer generated. Like, even the new Star Wars have started using puppets instead of CG, mm-hmm. but... They don't have to put in the same amount of effort that they had to in this one to make their puppets work. I don't think. They just, they just don't have to anymore. Well, because of computer graphics. Yeah, they'll just fix it. Right. Uh, my Academy Award fact for this year is that John Lasseter and William Reeves won Best Animated Short Film for Tin Toy, which was the first Oscar won by the studio Pixar. And was the first computer-generated film to win an Oscar, for a CGI Oscar. They would, of course, later go on to produce Toy Story, based loosely on the idea from Tin Toy. And, you know, make basically every good movie that I've seen for a very long time. And kind of have a monopoly on the best animated film category once it starts existing in the Oscars. Pretty much. But... We're talking about, instead, a movie based on a book, which I didn't realize this was based on a book. Yeah. Not before you looked it up. Not before I looked it up. Uh, Loosely based on Who Censored Roger Rabbit, a mystery novel written in 1981. Uh, The book uh, focuses on a private detective and a comic strip character. Okay. But in the film, they changed it to a movie star because okay. movies made. I mean, it kind of makes more sense, and that's where the properties they Who were working. The book? <laughs> uh, Gary Wolf. I don't recognize the name from anything. I uh, he is best known as the author of that book. Like he's not necessarily known for more than the Roger Rabbit series. Hmm. Uh, the film takes place in 
1947 Hollywood where cartoons are real. And this was not something that was necessarily new. Novel. Uh, novel. Well, novel, yes, but new. You'll have to remember that we've seen Mary Poppins. Right. So animation taking place with live action has happened before. And it's been done relatively well in previous films. Uh, You know they had some of the same penguins. Oh, on purpose. (laughs) Certainly. The penguins were the same. But what made this one different is the tone, I think. I don't really think... Also, the interaction with the humans was a lot better. They worked very hard to make it look like this was not a movie where the animation was added in afterwards. The goal of the illusion was to make it look like the cartoons had been there all along. And this is something that they pulled off very well. Uh, The Wikipedia article notes that this is the renewed interest in the golden age of American animation and spearheaded the Disney Renaissance, which would start the next year with The Little Mermaid and go on for 10 years of just blockbuster animations basically every year. Uh, It's... Much like many of the films we see, it's in the National Film Registry of the Library of Congress. But I don't know where do we want to start with this one, because the, what's really funny is that the film rights were purchased basically right after the book got made. Disney saw it and was like, we can make a movie out of that. Hmm. Disney basically immediately picked it up. Uh, they got some drafts written, and then Robert Zemeckis went to them in 1982 and said, hey, I'd like to direct this movie. And they said, oh no, we've seen your last two movies. I want to hold your hand and use cars. And they didn't work so good. So no, we would not like you to direct this. And then they went through various plans, various plans. Michael Eisner, who became CEO in 85, improved the plan. Steven Spielberg got brought in as producers. It eventually got greenlit when they dropped the budget to $30 million, which at the time, made it the most expensive animated film ever. The budget would, of course, go back up to over $50 because they kept needing to do stuff. And then they said, hey, you know who's a really good director right now? Robert Zemeckis. That's because he did Back to the Future. <laughs> That's because he did Back to the Future. <laughs> so that, I found, was really interesting. Uh, also, Romancing the Stone, he did. Okay. So, you know, he's done some stuff. Right. Well, and made some money, so yeah. they had confidence in him. Uh, the list of people who they wanted to play Eddie Valiant, the main live-action person, is insane. Our first choice by Spielberg was Harrison Ford. Okay. The second choice was Chevy Chase. Mm, no, he's not believable. Also offered the role, Bill Murray... Eddie Murphy, Robin Williams, Robert Redford, Jack Nicholson, Sylvester Stallone, Wallace Shawn, Ed Harris, Charles Grodin, and Don Lane. That's a few names. That's a few names. Uh, For the role of Judge Doom, obviously the bad guy, original audition was Tim Curry. Okay. Then Christopher Lee. Okay. To note, Tim Curry was uh, auditioned but was denied because... He was too terrifying. (laughs) This is unsurprising. Tim Curry does a really good bad guy. John Cleese wanted the role, but he wasn't scary enough. Oh, he's too funny. 
Peter O'Toole, F. Murray, Abraham, Roddy McDowell, Eddie Deason, and Sting also were considered. Sting the musician, not Sting the wrestler. I did look it up. Huh. And then Christopher Lloyd got the part, partially because he'd worked with Zemeckis and Spielberg before. Well, that's that kind of what I was wondering. Mm hmm. There is a lot of little references, some which made into the movie, like the Pacific Electric uh, streetcars actually being shut down in the late 40s and 50s, which was in the movie. Those made it in, but some things didn't. For example, they wanted to have Judge Doom have a suitcase with 12 baby Joeys in it with letters to spell you are guilty as some sort of kangaroo court. Ew. (laughs) So, you know, things like that. The uh, five bad guy weasels was originally seven to satirize the seven dwarves. Uh, The ink and paint club resembles the Harlem Cotton Club. Uh, Things like that. Uh, Let's see here. They originally had Acme's funeral to include... Foghorn, Leghorn, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Tom and Jerry, Heckle and Jekyll, Chip and Dale, Felix the Cat, Herman and Catnip, Mighty Mouse, Superman, Popeye, Olive Oil, Bluto, Clarabelle Cow, Horace Horse Color, The Seven Dwarves, Baby Huey, and Casper the Friendly Ghost. Most of those characters they did not actually secure the rights to. Right. They did secure the rights to a whole bunch of other characters. Well, I think this film is just full of little surprises and little vignettes and you've got to look at the posters on the wall and you have to look at the all the different writings and things because there are little little easter eggs it kind of reminded me in that way of uh wreck-it ralph Mm -hmm. which there's a movie made more recently called wreck-it ralph you probably haven't seen it it's very similar to this movie in that it has lots of references, but instead of classic animation, it's references to video games. And so if you know what to look for, you see lots of things. And if not, it's still a good movie. So the people who are in this movie, because we do always talk about them. Bob Hoskins. I don't think we've actually talked about him yet. I don't think so. He's been in some things. He's kind of more of a working character actor type of guy. Uh, he was in the Super Mario movie. Which I remember. Hook, Nixon, Enemy at the Gates, uh, the 2009 Christmas Carol. He was in Snow White and the Huntsman when they tried to make that a thing. Uh, he died in 2014, which is a little unfortunate. His, I think his last role might have been Snow White and the Huntsman in 2012. But he does a very good job of being the straight man in this movie. It, I really, I found that it was... His acting was very convincing that he was interacting with the cartoons. Correct. And he wasn't looking past them or through them. Mm -hmm. It seemed like he was actually looking at them. Yeah, which we cheated and watched some behind the scenes. And and he actually Mm -hmm. talked about it in the behind the scenes documentary of it's very hard to look at something that isn't there. Right. When you are putting your face pointed towards something that isn't there, your eyes will focus on the next thing that is. Mm-hmm. So you'll look at the wall behind you, and it's hard to focus on nothing two feet in front of you. Right. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, of course, Back to the Future. He all I didn't know he has Emmys. He was in ta- the TV show Taxi. Oh, yeah. And he has two Emmys for that. So that's a thing. 
Uh, he was in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. His cinematic debut was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh yeah, we remember yep. him. Uh, he's Uncle Fester in the Adams Family movies, kind of unsurprisingly. Yeah, yeah the new one, yeah. the remake. Uh, yeah, some stuff. Yeah, he, he's been a busy guy. Yep, uh, technically still active. He's yep. not. He is still around, and he is like eighty. Three. Huh. So that's impressive. Uh, the voice of Roger Rabbit is Charles Fleischer, who is mostly known for uh, being a stand-up comedian now. Uh, this was kind of his big break. Though he had previously been in A Nightmare on Elm Street, which isn't a small movie. And he was also later in We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, which is another good animated movie I hear. But the real stars of this show is voice acting, and it would we would be here you all mean, day. All the all the all the little voices they got to be people in this movie. It would we would be here all, all the people they got to be voices. Yeah, in this movie. we would be here all day if I listed all of them. So I'll give you kind of a cliff notes because it kind of matters. Where on earth did I leave that list of people? Mel Blank. Well, Mel Blank, obviously. Which we've, who we've technically mentioned before, because he was in Breakfast at Tiffany's in one scene, not being seen on the screen. But of course, in this film, he does what he does best, which is Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Tweety Bird, and Sylvester the Cat. He did not voice Yosemite Sam. That would be Joe Alasky, who basically took over for him when he died a year later. Also, Wayne Allwine, who voiced Mickey Mouse. The, he was the voice of Mickey Mouse for over 30 years. Uh, we've got May Questel, the voice of Betty Boop, for a very long time. Russie Taylor voiced Minnie Mouse, which he's done for a very long time. The bullets in his gun were Pat Buttram, who has done a lot of things, including Green Acres and the Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood. Jim Cummings, who is Winnie the Pooh. Billy West, who is... Uh, basically half the cast of Futurama. Nancy Cartwright, who is Bart Simpson, is the squeaky voice of the shoe. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yep. Uh, Grace Stafford, who basically came up with Woody Woodpecker, okay. voices Woody in this movie. And there's a special credit at the end to Walter Lance, who is the creator of Woodpecker. Correct. Uh, archival recordings of Frank Sinatra were used. Because the sword that looks and sounds like Frank Sinatra was voiced by Frank Sinatra, technically. Mm. That was actually him singing. Mm. And the one that I really wanted to look up, because I didn't know that I wanted to look this up before I noticed him, is Frank Welker, who is the voice of Dumbo, who doesn't really say anything in this movie. He just makes noises. Mm -hmm. That's true. Frank Welker has 860 credits. Yeah, I've seen his name. He is the third highest grossing film actor of all time. <laughs> the th because he's just so many little parts in so many yeah, things. Yeah. Uh, the list of things he's in... Like, we could do a podcast on this guy and we'd be here until it was time to move out of this house. Well, let's not. And go back into, you know, Fred and Scooby-Doo from Scooby-Doo. Three main Transformers. Two people in the Mortal Kombat movie. He's Curious George and Garfield. It's That's a lot. I looked at his career, and it's separated into sections on, like, 
well, here's all the voices he did in this major series, and here's all the voices he did in this major series. And he, in huge this, working voice actor. He he did huge. the yelling for Spock in Star Trek Three. He didn't play the character. He just played the character when he was yelling. Huh. Like if you need this, need someone to make noise, you get this guy apparently. I uh, where do we go? Do I don't know. I think this is a. Uh, now everything is computer animated, computer yeah. generated. So this is so different. I think that the the two disc set that we got from the library, mm-hmm. I think that was a really fun thing to look at how things were made and look at the behind the scenes and how these are actual puppeteers that they employed to get the, uh, for instance, the. Um, the trays that the penguin waiters have at the nightclub. Yeah. So the trays are operated by puppeteers, and then the then the animation is added in. And I think in our modern sensibilities, we just think everything's computer generated now. It's so easy to do it now. And it's, well, easy in figure quotes. Yeah, that's in air quotes. But I think it's really good to see the the craft of actual humans doing this behind the scenes things and how they. They incorporated a cartoon film and a live action film, and then where is that intersection? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, this is also landmark for Disney and Warner Brothers interacting, which mm-hmm. nowadays, with how picky everyone is with their intellectual property, I don't right. think that could happen now. It, it kind of reminds me of a very weird time in comic books when. DC and Marvel actually had a crossover and Superman was hanging out with Captain America. Ah, that, that happened for a while and the comics weren't great. Right. But it was insane to see and it'll basically never happen again. Right. The only time you'll see it is when like a goofy character can mm-hmm. get away with saying the name of someone else. Like Deadpool can say Batman right. can say I'm Batman and get away with it, but right. that's about it. But like we had Daffy and Donald mm-hmm. playing piano with each other, and it was part of the agreement with Warner Brothers that they basically had to be on equal footing. Mm. They couldn't show one duck being better than the other. Okay. And Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse were in the same scene, which is right unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Also, they were not being nice. Mickey was not being nice. That's really out of character for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Bugs being a jerk, yeah, but. They were both being jerks. That was right. weird. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a, it's slapstick. It was, you know, it was certainly loud at times. It was. It takes itself very seriously mm-hmm. with a very silly concept, and that carries the movie very well. The way they play out, uh, Bob Hoskins' backstory is is good. It's, it's very good. It's played extremely straight. Everyone considers his story like we should take this seriously. Nobody hears his story and goes, hey, goofy. Yeah. Doing stuff. Too bad for him. Too bad for him. There's about six different things they show you at the beginning of the movie that are useful at the end. Right. They did like a that. very good job of that. We like that. Right. That, uh, what do you call that? That's Book ending. Che- that, that, well, I was going to say that. No, that's Chekhov's pistol. <laughs> Book ending is making the beginning and the ending similar. Chekhov's pistol is they I uh, I uh, show you it at the beginning and you fire it at the end. 
And so Can they fire it at the end. Yep, Chekhov's pistol is a literary or like play device where you see something at the beginning and then it's useful at the end. But if you show you something at the beginning, it needs to be useful later, or else why did you show it to us? Yeah. And they had things like the peephole from when it was a speakeasy. They had the hammer with the boxing glove in it, mm-hmm. the portable holes. Mm-hmm. All that stuff was shown at the beginning and then useful later in the movie without them having to mention it. Right. They showed us. Yeah. The only th- and just about everything they showed was even if you've forgotten classic animation, they're like, hey, hey, check out this goofy classic animation you stuff. You mean like classic Saturday morning cartoons? Classic Acme stuff. From nineteen mm-hmm. sixties when yeah. I was a kid. Or or earlier. I think Looney yeah. Tunes is older yeah. than that. Oh yeah. Right. But Betty Boop was yeah. in Yeah, mm-hmm. and she was in there, still in black and, and white, she... making cracks about being black and white. Yeah. <laughs> but the only thing they didn't reference, and we just had to know that that was the case, was the steamroller, which is, I, I think, also a classic cartoon thing. That's classic. But they didn't have a previous mention of that, but we'll give them a pass. It was funny. Right. Uh, poor Christopher Lloyd. He got squished mm-hmm. and then melted mm-hmm. for too long. Grandpa was right. That's That melting scene went on for way too long. Yeah. If we have to give it a down vote for one thing. <laughs> That's it. Well, you mentioned you mentioned Welker with regard to his extensive voice acting career, but you got to give Mel Blanc the oh. same kind of Oh, no. Mel Blanc is... Because he was... I mean, he's got a thousand credits. Yeah. For the stuff that he did. Yeah. Just extraordinary career. I... The number one iconic... Mel Blanc's story is when he was in a coma and they were like, why isn't he waking up? Like we've get like, he should be getting up. And one of his friends went to him and, and said, Hey bugs. And he immediately woke up and started talking like bugs bunny because the guy knew his characters. It was who he was. It's also why, like when we saw him in breakfast at Tiffany's, if I didn't know that he was in the movie somewhere, I wouldn't have known. Because right. no one ever hears normal Mel Blanc's voice. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, I mean, the, the and the things that he has done, almost everyone would recognize. Yeah. You know, I, some aspect of his work um, would be very recognizable. I'm trying to load up our list of things, and it's not loading what I just added. There it is. So, first we have to start with the visual effects. Because that's what it won an award for. Because, holy crap, of course it did. The, well, it was so novel. It was, the way it was presented was so unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, there hasn't been anything really like it since because... Technology has m- changed. What they've been able to do is cheat with computer graphics. They don't need to have real things in place. I looked up Space Jam mm-hmm. because that's the next one that I remember of animation and real people being Mm -hmm. in the same sphere and with that one it's all computer animated even though it's using 2d animated characters it's all done in computers which is a lot easier and they didn't always have a real basketball oh so when the cartoons are playing basketball they aren't necessarily using a basketball they might be using a computer basketball Oh, see, that's Whereas a Whereas if they did it in this movie, basically any time the cartoons used a real thing, they needed a real thing. Mm-hmm. And so just insane amounts of effort it took. The, the behind the scenes on this is 
That's worth it. It's worth it just for that to go, holy crap, this is how much work they put in. Yeah. To note, I the other visual effects movies this year did not include Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Because that actually didn't have that much effect in it. Right. It did include Die Hard. Yeah. That's a Christmas movie. And Willow, which mm-hmm. I don't recognize that one. Oh, dark fantasy drama. Oh, man. That guy looks real angry. Produced by George Lucas. I mean, at this point, he could probably make whatever he wants, I guess. So, on top of that, we have to go with best score. What do we think about the music for this movie? I think I think one of the more interesting things was the variety that, that, that was injected into it with the jazz component. Yes, which... I think we wouldn't have noticed as much if we hadn't seen the, the behind the scenes. Yeah, and I'm not sure. Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure that you could rank the score very high from the standpoint of award getting, but, but that was a, a very novel and appropriate approach, I thought. Yeah. To the way they presented the music. Yeah. The so film. for those not seeing what we saw, they basically had the jazz band playing while watching the... The Jessica Rabbit portion. They were watching the the animation of the Jessica Rabbit character and improved the score based on her movements and voice. So, apart from anything else, that's an amount of work. That's not that easy. And you gotta have a good group to go with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's not amazing. This wasn't really a year for score. I don't really recognize... (laughs) No the, blockbuster. No blockbusters. Like, Hans Zimmer's in there for Rain Man, but he didn't win. That kind of thing. Uh, next, Best Supporting Actor. So, what do we think of Christopher Lloyd? I assume he would be the supporting actor in this one. I would think so. I didn't think it was award-winning. No, he, he did the job right. Yeah. He did a very good job at being a creepy, creepy bad guy. He looked like yeah. a creepy bad guy. He was a guy. creepy, cartoonish bad guy. With with some orthodontia. Yeah. I, so, yeah. This wasn't a movie for good... I mean, Bob Hoskins having to pretend like there's someone in the room with him, that part's very good. But, like, the act... If this was a regular movie, his acting would be fine. Mm-hmm. I, Kevin Kline got Best Supporting Actor for A Fish Called Wanda. Also nominated Alec Guinness. Martin Landau, you know, this this wasn't the best year for film overall, I think. I mm-hmm. uh, and the third one, best cinematography. What do we think about the? What do we would be cinematography? That'd be the art direction. Well, it no, was no, nominated no, no. for no. cinematography. It was nominated for cinematography and art direction. Yeah. So the cinematography being the film, like the actual filming. Well, I think that there were times when the uh, the angles would bring you in and out of the human reality and the cartoon reality. Yeah. And I think that it wasn't, they weren't abrupt transitions, and it seemed really appropriate. Mm-hmm. The need to pretend like there is someone in the scene and capture it on film. Uh, the one that stuck out to me was the baby character has a cigar and the cigar can you mean you can just paint behind the cigar that's fine just you know trace around it just don't paint there but it's hard to paint behind smoke 
And so when you're filming it, not only is the puppeteer having to move his hand in an appropriate way, but the, f- the filmer also has to make sure that you can always paint a baby in a place where there's not smoke coming off. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise it's going to make their job ten times harder. There's just a lot of things you have to think about that you can't see. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a cinematography award winner, but the technical aspects of it are extraordinary. Oh, this is this is another one where it could have swept all the technical awards and never mm-hmm. come close to the acting yeah. and directing ones. Right, right. I what was I thinking? No, now there is actually things being made now where the cameras are hooked up to uh, 3D simulations. And you can see in the camera what's going to be green screened in later. Oh, that sounds like cheating. It is basically Mm -hmm. cheating, but it allows the person filming to visualize the end product. Yeah, there's a specific name they use for that where they they basically create a 3D model of the film. Yeah. Or portions of the film. Mm -hmm. They, They do the 3D modeling of it and then they say, okay, now let's go film it. Yeah. And I, I can't remember what they call it. They've also done things, I don't know if I mentioned on this podcast with The Mandalorian, where they film on, instead of green screens, they use projected screens, basically. But they're very, very sophisticated now. So that the actors can see what they're supposed to be in. That's so hmm. weird. And they can also change it in real time because it's like an active simulation. Yeah. So if they're looking and they're like, man, you know, that rock over there shouldn't be there. They can just go in and move the rock in the background and get rid of it and then go back to filming. Things like that. Where it's so easy to do what they had, all, all the work they had to do. Mm-hmm. 14 months of post-production. Right. And all Mo- the animation by yeah. hand. Movies film and, for- film and finish in 14 months. Right. That's, I don't think a movie could take that long now because it just doesn't have to. Except for Avatar. Avatar keeps happening. <laughs> They're, he's still going to make more Avatar movies. Really? Yeah. Well, then I might see one someday. Yeah. Well, that one took a long time, too, because James Cameron doesn't know how to say no. But that's another story. <laughs> I think we do get... I think we might get to talk about that one. I don't know if that one won awards. It probably did. It probably won the technical awards. I don't remember the year. Don't know. I... Late... 2000s? Yeah. It was new. There was a 3D version that was coming out while I was working at Best Buy. Mm. I remember that. Mm. So there were some other awards that we did not draw on the randomness chart um, that this film did win, and film editing is one. Oh, definitely film editing. I don't think think there would have been a question this year. No, that was extraordinary. What was the other one that I saw? Sound effects. Sound effects. Yeah. 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 Because you had to make it sound like a cartoon. Yeah. So, yeah. No, this is technical awards. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing stuff mm-hmm. in that regard. And, yeah, the the cheat of watching a little bit on how they made it was was uh, really interesting. Yeah. I'd seen some behind the scenes mm-hmm. before this about how they had things on, you know, sticks and you, for puppets around where... Instead of making puppets, they built the skeletons of the puppets and added the puppets in post. But if you're interested in solving how to solve a problem, this is a very good example of giving yourself a constraint and then not knowing what the answer is going to be and saying, no, I can't figure it out, and then doing so. 
because they could have just cheaped out and said, you know what, no, we won't have our actors go through mime training so that they can understand how to look like they're holding something that isn't there. And having seen uh, Looney Tunes back in action, the live-action Looney Tunes movie with Brendan Fraser, I can tell you, yeah, it looks kind of dumb when the people don't do that. (laughs) That movie's not good. Don't watch it, kids. But this movie succeeds very well in what it sets out to do. It does not set out to be the best movie of the year. The fact that it was one of the highest-grossing movies of the year means that you can do that. You can... Film audiences will appreciate just high-quality work from people that aren't big-name actors, necessarily. Anything else on this one? Any closing thoughts? Well, uh, I kind of make just... Yeah, I'll make a closing thought. <clears throat> Please understand that I don't have you all's background in this stuff. <clears throat> Even though I'm an old guy, I'm old enough to. But uh, I, had a, I had a thought all the way through, and that includes thinking about the things that I do know things about, which is music and the screenplay and things like I kept thinking about Thumper Rabbit yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I know him he, he says that my mother told me if I can't say something nice don't say nothing at all zip yeah no it's always a good thing yeah here you go unless you're a film critic then you have to say bad things right <laughs> no we're not paid to do that we're not paid to do that someone pay us no <laughs> no no then we'd be on a payroll so- then we'd have to show up to work We'd have to not wear pajamas to work. That's what we'd have to do. That would be bad. The pandemic's ending. Are we going to have to dress up after the pandemic is over? Go into the office? Oh my goodness. We need a we need a better seating. I mean, it's, this is pretty good seating. It's but... going to be interesting. It is. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye. 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 Bye.